I'm creating a collection of stories showcasing resilient people who overcome unimaginable hardships while finding beauty in the ups and downs of life. Every moment is significant. This is Push Diaries Podcast. I'm your host, Tess. David Hayward is the Naked Pastor. He has a Master's in Theological Studies from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, a Diploma in Religious Studies and Ministry from McGill University in Montreal, and a Diploma in University Teaching from the University of New Brunswick. He served the church as a pastor for 30 years and left the ministry in 2010. He is now a cartoonist. Like all graffiti artists, Naked Pastor uses words and images to challenge the status quo and offer hope for those who struggle and suffer under it. He founded and facilitates The Lasting Supper, an online community for those looking for a safe alternative to church. He coaches people who long for spiritual freedom and independence. He is an LGBTQ ally. If you would like to connect, please email David. Visit his website at www nakedpastorstore.com I love too that he has a disclaimer on his website that says all cartoons and illustrations are inspired by my personal experience and my observations of people in general. Never do I use another person's story as an idea for a cartoon unless it is universally experienced and if not only if I have their expressed permission. When people share their stories with me I am a locked vault and can be completely trusted with it. So listen in here he is, the Naked Pastor, David Hayward. Nice to meet you. How's the sound? Should I put in earbuds and a microphone, or does it sound good to you? I think you sound great. I hope I do, too. I just got this Yeti microphone like a month ago. Okay. Great, but I should really upgrade and get a better laptop, because I'm on, like, an Asus, something okay. that I've had for, like, close to probably 10 years. <laughs> so I think I should probably make a switch to the Mac, but... I haven't done it yet. I've been on a Mac now for a long, long, long time. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you are you able to do your cartoons, David, on your computer, or do you write them and then screen them in? Yeah, I I usually draw them. Um, I used to draw them on strictly and solely on paper, and then scan them in to my computer and then upload them. But recently, yeah, yeah. um. Like just uh, two months ago, I got an iPad and I started drawing cartoons on the iPad. Cool. And, and uploading them that way. Cool. Yeah, it's amazing too how a lot of those iPads now, and even some of the artistic laptops, have a pen that you write on yeah. the screen. Right. So that's so neat. Are you happy with the amount of like, differences in how you can write on there as far as like thicknesses and tip types like yep. is it pretty great oh. as far as shading and yeah it's 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 amazing I haven't even scratched the surface yet but it's it's a very powerful tool yeah um, and I use a, a program uh that's called procreate and uh it's just unbelievable I, I just keep discovering new things every day it's amazing. Well, good. So um, I don't know what you know about me. You probably don't know much about me. I'm starting a podcast and I'm super excited about it. 
I went to school for social work, grew up in a small town. I was involved in sports, involved in my church growing up. I was in the Singing Saints, and there was like a group of eight of us that, you know, were little twerps, and we sang it during the service every weekend. Right. Um, And I was baptized when I was 15. My parents didn't baptize me as a baby. They wanted to make sure that when their kids grew up, they could make the decision for themselves. Yeah. Whether they wanted to be baptized or confirmed. I would say my mom's mom, so my maternal grandmother, was more conservative and in line with her faith as far as how she was brought up and what the church told her was appropriate. And um, my other grandma, I she didn't talk a lot about faith. She talked more about kindness and um mm-hmm. you know being being kind to yourself being kind to others i but you know if i talk to my dad about how she was when he was growing up he might think of something completely different right and i, and I know too as we age our spirituality and beliefs about religion can change mm-hmm. in 2013 in the fall i was out of college i had gone to school for social work, minored in gerontology, and I I hadn't started a career yet. You know, I hadn't like found a job yet. I was talking with my dad kind of about what I wanted to do, maybe what I wanted to explore before I got really serious in my career. Right. And he, he told me, he was like, I think you should take your social skills and your ability to really empathize and understand people and maybe go work at like a camp of some kind before you start a girl job. So, and you know, he worked as a canoe guide up in the Boundary Waters in Northern Minnesota. And so he really thought that would be a cool thing for me to do. So I looked into going to a Christian camp and I went. It was an outdoor camp too. I think their beliefs are mostly Baptist. and, And I don't know, you know the differences between denomination and religion better than I do. I, I've struggled with my faith, David, just as far as making, I don't want my friends or anyone I meet on the street to think that I think that if they don't, you know, follow Jesus in a conservative way that they're going to go to hell or be treated differently than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Or differently by me. Um, I love your comics. I stumbled on them on Instagram. I don't even know how like Instagram makes these connections as far as like, Oh, you should look at this guy's page. But I stumbled on it and I was just like, ah, like I took a deep breath and I was reading them and looking at your art. And I was like, this is amazing. If people could just feel that inclusivity that you so well illustrate, I think that would be life changing. Mm-hmm. We don't put enough pressure on ourselves, right? Yep. Um, so I kind of want to hear about how where you grow grew up and all of that. I'm trying to give you backstory on me. Yeah. Sort of get the listeners warmed up to you. And where we're going to go from here. The last thing I wanted to quick say to you was I had a spinal tumor. So I got home from this camp. You know, I met a lot of people that I was like, oh, you are really inspiring. And you are what Jesus is, is when I think about the warmth that I feel around how people are accepting of others and confident in the way that they um, display their faith. But then also 
I met people that I was really disappointed by. Mm-hmm. For, for an example, um, I there is a girl who was on the worship team at the camp. She was also like the lead horse wrangler, very knowledgeable, very good at connecting with guests, connecting with the horses, being able to train them uh, in a way that would make them um, submissive to a human's instruction. You know what I mean? She also put together this thing called um, like Wrangler poetry and she would speak poems about how Jesus um, can kind of subdue us in a way that is loving and trusting of his vision on how we treat other people. She would do this Wrangler poetry where she would explain how when you're trying to subdue a horse or get them to listen to how you're behaving, she was kind of making parallels about spirituality and training a horse. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I just thought she was so cool and so artistic and really neat in the way that she was able to make people feel loved. Anyway, she came out as a lesbian. I'm so sad, David, to say this, and you're not going to be surprised that she was not um, accepted well by the camp. I was just flabbergasted. I'm saddened. Um, you know, there were people when I got my spinal tumor that told me, Tess, if you pray hard enough, you can heal yourself and you can walk again. And it's just ridiculous that we right. still live in a time where people believe these things to be true and, and an okay way to treat other people. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> I wanted to just give you my, I see you shaking your head. I know the people listening can't see that, but <laughs> I, this is exactly why you and I are having a yeah. conversation today. And so we'll jump right in. I just wanted you to be comfortable sharing what you wanted about yourself and yeah. how you got to where you are today. So without further ado, if you want to introduce yourself and. Sure. Can I ask you a question first, though? Please when do. you went into surgery, were you uh, warned that you're definitely going to come out paraplegic or did you, yeah. was there a chance? Oh, okay. yes. No. So they gave me two options. They said, you know, if you were a six-year-old person, 70 year old person, heck, David, even a 40-year-old person that had already lived a good life, um, maybe even had a family that was already, you know, in their 20s, you might pick a very different thing. They said, what was the word? They used decompress. You can decompress your spinal cord. They would go into my spine and take out the cancerous matter that was growing around my spinal cord and affecting it to not allow communication between my brain and my legs. Um, If the tumor wasn't metastatic, and deadly, that would be an option. But I knew if they cut into a deadly tumor and didn't get all of it out, it could grow back or spread to my lungs, brain, heart, whatever. So that was one option. And when we when we got the biopsy back, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. And the option that would give me best quality of life and the ability to be cancer-free was remove the tumor. So they ended up taking out three vertebrae and oh. then they put the smaller leg bone, the one behind your shin and your calf muscle. Mm-hmm. So they took a, a bone graft about 10 inches long, broke it in half, put that into my spine as my new vertebrae. They were hoping that that would refuse with the bony, healthy vertebrae I had. And then they put four rods around it. So I have like six to eight screws up top, six to eight screws on the bottom. And I am really, I'm limited with what I can do as far as bending goes, which has been a bummer because although I can live life in a chair, you know, I'm very active. I drive a van. I can do 
limited housework, but still do some of it. It's really hard though, like for sports, I can't really do like wheelchair sports because bending is just not, you know, right. like I can't wipe out on a ski hill, you know, because right, right. I want to pressure on my spine. So I'm still sort of figuring out what I can do to be active and feel good, but it's sure mm-hmm. been a ride. Wow. everyone i wanted to tell you about patreon patreon gives creators of all kinds the tools needed to acquire manage and energize their paying patrons support push diaries by subscribing to our patreon page where you'll get exclusive content not found anywhere else we just started a special series where me and my fiance tyler talk about life and how we push forward together just go to patreon.com create a profile, and become a patron of Push Diaries Podcast and thousands of others. Thanks, and we'll talk again soon. Well, that's a story. I know, David, I've aged a lot in the last four years, just as far as my own beliefs go. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with what I've been through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulate you very much. Did you hear me? Yeah, you said you oh. adv- admire me very much. You skipped for a minute. I got worried we were yeah, losing yeah, internet. We, it, we, you froze for a second. I said... Uh, you're very brave and, you know, I, adm- I admire you very much for what you're doing, your courage and so on. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm glad we met. Right. And, yep, yep. Uh, and yeah, so I, I was a pastor for, I rounded off to about 30 years. That's, that includes the time I was a student pastor as well as a, um, as well as an ordained minister. And uh, so for about 30 years, I pastored local churches um, and, you know, I, I've gone to seminary, got my master's, uh, I went to another seminary to get my diploma in ministry and, <clears throat> you know, I, I've done all that. Awesome. Did you have male figures or female figures in your life growing up mm-hmm. that you were like, huh, I want to be a pastor or, or what made you want to do that? Was it something you knew as a young man or how did that come to fruition? <clears throat> no, I went to I went to Bible college. I, I'm from Canada, so I live in Canada and I was in the Toronto area and I went to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri as a as a music major. I was accepted as a music major. And for the first three years there, I was I was a music major, <clears throat> but I met Lisa, and who's my wife, and um, we fell in love, and we didn't know how this was going to work. Uh, yeah. Her wanting to be a missionary, and me going to be a maybe a music pastor in a church somewhere or something. So I switched majors. Wow. I switched to Bible and theology, <laughs> and. Uh, we stayed together, and um, I graduated from there. We got married two days later, and then we moved to Boston, where I went to seminary at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. And so I, I put myself on the track to get a get a PhD in New Testament studies. 
So I had all the, you know, the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and the theological French and the theological German and all this stuff in preparation for PhD work. And uh, long story short, I started my PhD at University of Toronto. Um, we got pregnant. Lisa got pregnant uh, with my help. <laughs> and uh, we got tight with money, um, you know, just complicated. And so I was offered to do eight months at another seminary, get my diploma of ministry. And uh, in the meantime, I could have a student charge as a pastor of a church. And then as soon as I graduated, I would be ordained and then given a church. And so it was an offer I couldn't refuse. I was desperate for we were desperate for a home, for income and for something to do. And so I I accepted sure. So I kind of fell into the ministry kind of by accident. Yeah. I wasn't planned. And yet um, I was very passionate about it. Um, and, you know, the kind of people I admired uh, are like the, like Eugene Peterson, you know, okay. who the message, who was a, um, you know, a very respected pastor. And, and um, you know, I, I studied theology and preached every week and you know did my thing and and I, I did that in different churches and different denominations for like I said about 30 years until 2010 yeah. and that's when I, 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 I left the ministry okay so yeah you I mean how many years you said 30 years and how much well, did you jump around then when you were finally doing uh, pastoring yeah so I I Lisa and I met in a Pentecostal Bible college. I got ordained as a Presbyterian minister. And then from there, I went uh, uh, to Vineyard. I became a Vineyard pastor. And from there, I uh, planted an independent church. And then after that, I went back to the Vineyard. So I I had been around. I call myself an ecumenical movement because I was baptized as an Anglican Episcopal down there. And, um, you know, we went to, I got saved in a Baptist church and, you know, uh, we went to United Church and even Catholic and different churches. So uh, I've been all around. And yeah. Yeah. How was that for you? Was it hard to uproot and then try to reconnect with a new community? Um, Did you feel like the beliefs as you jumped around really varied or how was that experience for you yeah well my dad was a a policeman and he got transferred a lot so we we moved quite a bit and it just became I just got used to it and you know I look back now I think that probably set me up to be able to shift and move myself if I became unhappy or discontent or felt like I was being held back or stifled in my growth I would just leave and go somewhere else wow. and I, I felt free to do that that's amazing what what a neat thing for your dad to instill in you as a young man because i i know that in my short life i have stayed in places that i maybe shouldn't have for too long or you know where i felt like i was my growth was being impaired and i was maybe fearful or just maybe in a rut where i was stagnant but used to it you know what i mean Yep. I think that's really amazing, I, and it's something that I wish I would have been bold to follow when I was a younger person, so that's really cool. Um, 
Yeah, very neat. Because I think a lot of people listening too right now might be like, wow, I've never thought of, you know, myself or maybe in, even in our relationships, right? When you break down relationships or spirituality or work, it's like, how much do you want to make yourself suffer in a relationship or in your spirituality or in what you believe or the work that you do every day. I mean, the time people put into things, right? And then realize that, wait a minute, this isn't something healthy that I want to grow or foster. So uh, it's just so hard, but your story is really inspiring to me. And I love that you're trying to get people to think more inclusively. Um, yep. It's not something that a lot of people are used to, David, and it's really neat. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you can't persuade or change anybody's mind. No. They're ready and willing and w- looking for it or waiting for it. So I just put my stuff out there. I've been blogging since 2005. <clears throat> I'm posting my cartoons since about 2006. And just like I just sort of treat them like seeds. I just sort of throw them out there and what happens happens, you know, they get a lot of reactions, some positive and some very negative. And um, but I know I'm helping enough people that it encourages me to keep doing what I'm doing. I hear from people every day. I get hate mail every day. So (laughs) I read it. I read it. But I, I also get a lot of real amazing encouraging mail from people messages from people who are just so grateful yeah they feel affirmed and they feel heard and understood and accepted yeah yes and it's that's a big deal that is a big deal i mean i think of who jesus is you know i have like i said i've been raised in a christian home i would consider myself a christian today but i would i would never want someone else Someone who lived across the street from me that had a completely different upbringing, mm-hmm, was from mm-hmm. a complete different corner of the world, and they were confident in their own religion. I would respect that, and I would never want them to question, like you said, what they're, you know, it's like, yeah, you really have to be open to what you're ready for, what someone else is ready for. You mm-hmm, can't mm-hmm. force anybody to do anything. History has showed us that, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, this is why wars happen and I, I, this is a perfect time to kind of flip back through some of your comics. If we could just describe some of them that you've done, um, I'll kind of talk about a couple that I've seen that I really like. And then if you're willing to share the things people say, um, good and bad, I would love to hear it. And I'm sure the listeners would too. And it probably won't be surprising either. So um, if you're comfortable, I would love to hear some of those. Yes. Um, so do you want to start off, David? Should I just share a couple of the ones that I really like, or do you want to share some of your most well-known or most commented on? Well, maybe they intersect. What What do you have? All right. Well, I really like the one, um, David drew a picture of a bunch of people, um, drawing boxes with pencils, pencil <laughs> lines, kind of. Um, it kind of looks like everybody's maybe even drawing their own yard and what their boundary is and what they think is right and safe. And they're all these perfect boxes of people with these giant pencils drawing their boxes. And then you see one character in the middle who's Jesus. He has crowns on, a crown of thorns on his head and he has his pencil, but it's flipped upside down and he's erasing the lines. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that one. Yeah, that's actually my most popular cartoon. All right. Well, there we go. I, I'm glad that I fit right into the crowd, David. Yeah, so that that was um, that would have been the first one I would have mentioned. That's probably the one I'm most Naked Pastor's most famous for. <clears throat> yeah, so um, that one uh, that one doesn't really stir up much negativity. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it that that one sort of uh, you know because there's scripture behind that, right? That um, right. that uh, in like. Uh, Ephesians where he's torn down the wall that separates us and that kind of thing. So I, it was, it's kind of along that theme of, of erasing the lines of discrimination and um, between people. And meanwhile, we, we're busy trying to uh, create boundaries un, unhealthy boundaries, I would say uh, between us and other people and discriminate and differences and, and so on. So I, I think uh, a mature and loving spirituality erases those. I agree 100%. So without further ado, I'm going to jump to another one. Um, and you probably know which one I'm about to describe. But it's called uh, David's Trump-like, Trump-like, Christ-like. Um, and it has a picture of heaven, right, where Jesus yeah. is standing on clouds. And there's a group of people to the right. There are people coming into heaven, um, kind of meeting Jesus at the gate, wondering if they'll be able to come in, right? Yeah. And and Jesus is saying, if you adored me and did me favors, you can come in. If not, you can go to hell. And Jesus has these really broad, um, brazen, straight eyebrows. And he's got his thumb up over his shoulder. And um, everybody standing to the right of the gate are kind of looking like they're not sure. And one one person says, "He's so Trump-like." <laughs> I really I really like that one too because when we talk about healthy boundaries and um, what did you say? You you said loving, um, kind of breaking down walls, right? Loving to one another, accepting of one another not um, discriminating against one another just for our beliefs. I can't help but to think of Donald Trump in the way that he has chosen to lead the country. So I really like that one. I bet you've gotten a lot of hate for that one. Yeah. Or maybe I, I not. It, it, it amazes me how, like I personally believe that we project our ideas of what uh, Jesus was or who Jesus is or who God is, we project what we wish him or her or it to be, you know? Yeah. So, um, it amazes me that, um, so some people w- will look at somebody and say, they're just like Christ when others are like, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> What about like all the infidelity and the meanness and the cruelty to children and, you know, cruelty to refugees and, you know, all the And they're like, well, and they would say, well, Jesus would do the very same thing. And and then the other person was, well, not the Jesus I know. Okay, I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about Beauty Counter. They make amazing lotions and balms that are safe for the whole family, even new babies. 
I love this stuff because the products are naturally derived and safe for the little ones. The sunflower oil nourishes deep in the skin while forming a protective barrier. The shea butter and jojoba seed oil easily absorbs into the skin, providing immediate lasting hydration. My two favorite products are the Baby Daily Protective Balm or the Adaptive Moisture Lotion. It feels so great on my dry face during the winter. I love that these products use biomimic technology that harnesses the unique life-giving properties of plants to match the skin, giving it precisely what it needs and nothing more. If you are interested in learning more about Beauty Counter, contact my consultant Linda. You can go to beautycounter.com forward slash Linda Gallagher, G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R. Let's get back to the show. So it's, it just amazes me how, how um, we'll, we'll bend our beliefs or shape our beliefs Acting. according to really what our deepest selves want. It's a, it's a lesson I learned many, many years ago. What that religion for most people is just a very thin cloak that we wear over top of ourselves. And yeah. that don't, we don't change. We don't transform at all. We just wear this cloak of religion yeah, and um, we'll change it and tweak it and edit it according to our fancy. But deep down inside, we're still just very human Yeah, and, and, and stuck in our mentality. You know, you were blessed with a family who helped instill the ability to change and grow and move and be mm-hmm. inspired when you needed to be. And I... I feel inspired by you. I feel inspired by my experience. As horrible as the suffering I went through with my cancer and now the adjustment to new life in a wheelchair has been, I'm grateful for it because, David, it kicked me in the butt and made me move, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm so glad that I'm not stuck in a place where I have to put on a cloak and pretend. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask the tough questions. I want people to feel included, though, most of all, and not um, be put into a box. So, right. right. Yeah, it is. It's amazing, like you said, what people can project on other people with even a Bible verse and just be so gosh darn stuck in how it's worded or right. because there are Bible verses that have pulled me through cancer treatment and given me great strength. But then there are also those where I hear a leader of a church say men should be the only people that preach. And, you know, I struggle with that too, because I think there are a lot of very capable women out there that would make excellent preachers. Right. So yeah, you get what I'm saying. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I did a, I'm trying to find it here. I did a cartoon the other day. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I posted it where there's people marching in a kind of a protest. And they have signs up saying, um, we love theology. Yes. They're trampling over a guy who had a sign that says, I love people. I love people, yeah. And um, it's sad, but this this is what I, I see every day. Absolutely. And uh, and I got one response from somebody, and she was like, what are you talking about? This is the most ins- stupidest, idiotic thing anybody could ever say. You're, 
you're just stupid for thinking this. And I'm, I'm like, you know, thanks for illustrating my point. You, you, yeah. You're just very mean to yeah. someone you don't even know because yep. they disagree with your ideas. Yep. Right? Wow. Uh, it, it, it illustrated my point. Yeah. Wow. We're willing to hurt people uh, over ideas. Yes. You can hate someone over an idea. You can right. trample over them. You can care that they don't have a safe place to lay their head at night or eat right. because right. of their theology. Right. Yeah. And this is something that became very, very, um, it was like a light went on before I left the ministry that we're all deeply connected and one. And the only thing that seems to separate us is just ideas. They're just thoughts. Yeah. yeah I'm pointing to my head, but they're just thoughts. No, but you're right. Yeah. It's and, completely and, made up in our brains. I mean, and, yeah. and how can we all not be different when we've all come from so many different experiences and you know, it's it's hard, but I agree, David, that in the sense that it really can be the thing that connects everyone. Right. Yeah. So um, as far as connecting, I'm making another excellent segue as I look down at my phone. Um, I have your Instagram picture up of Jesus looks in the mirror and he's oh. whole, so there's you can see the back of Jesus's head. He's wearing the crown of thorns. And then he's holding up a mirror, and in the mirror you see all these faces. There's a person with an L, like a LGBT rainbow shirt on. There's a um, Arabic person, Muslim. There's all these different, you know, black, white. We yep, got yep. some cream-colored people in here. Some really pale people like myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It, what a great image that. Um, Jesus is in everyone. Well, that's what, you know, it's easy to say, but I mean, you know, that cartoon, as sweet as I think it is, and lovely, um, there's people that just hate the the thought that there's a, a Muslim woman in there with a hijab on. Right. Or a, a gay person. Or, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll come out and say, well, no, the, the gay person, Jesus, is not in the gay person. No. No. Yeah. So, and I'm like, uh, I, I, I got it. I get it so many times that I actually in my Instagram, I put it in one of my highlights in my bio, why I'm an LGBTQ ally. And one of the because they all say the Bible says and I'm like, yeah. Look, clearly, I know you think the Bible says that, but there's scholars, biblical scholars, highly yeah. respected biblical scholars on both sides of the issue. And so it's not clearly the Bible says you, right. Not clear. Right. And I'm not going to wait. That's another one of my points is I'm not going to wait for the Bible scholars to tell me who I can and can't love. Right. Or, or include in my life. <laughs> right. So, no, so well said. And again, if we don't put enough pressure on ourselves, every human on this planet, mm -hmm. you've got you've got the good angel and the bad angel in your head telling you one telling you lies and the other one, you know, telling you, oh, yeah, you can do this, you know. Everybody's seen that cartoon of the, and it is, it's sad. I mean, the, the, the amount of pressure, I cannot imagine, you know, I happen to be a straight woman who is engaged to a male, um, but I cannot imagine being, you know, a woman who loves a woman and then being told 
that I can't love that woman when I'm not hurting anybody else. You know, my actions are not um, being rubbed in anyone's face. I'm just living my life and I'm not respected. I, I mean, people become suicidal. People choose to never come out. Um, I had a friend, David, who was a year older than me, grew up in the town next to me. I grew up in a really small town. This friend of mine, Adam, he graduated with, I think, like 20 people. So his town was much smaller. Wow. Um, and he was gay. And um, he came out to me. Um, and I I accepted him. I think some friends in our group did not accept that. Like, they, they said their, their response, David, was something like, um, well, thank you for telling me it's okay. Um, but I... <laughs> you know, thanks for telling me and it's okay. Kind of like, we'll deal with it, but it's not really something we want you to be, you know? And, and, and I wish back then I would have been more bold in telling him that, you know, that was, that was wrong, that that's the way our, some of our friends reacted. Right. And I just chose to not not involve myself in their feelings and I did my best to make Adam feel loved and um but you know I think that's a lesson too that if people out there I mean geez if if people are not so sheltered out there right and get out and have conversations with people you're gonna meet people along the way that don't think (coughs) the same as you or don't think the same as the way you were raised Mm -hmm. or how your parents wish you would be or your pastor might wish you would be um and those aren't always the right answer those aren't always those thoughts and feelings are not always the way you should go um david have you heard of the book uh the four agreements oh yeah yeah so that was introduced to me like only two or three years ago okay that whole idea of kind of reconstructing how you were raised and if it's really truly how you want to be yeah um And I just think it's so funny that that was some, an idea brought to me only three years ago. As a 30-year-old person, I'm going to be 31 now in this new year. And that was something brought to my attention only three years ago. But I had those feelings when I was in college and when I knew Adam as a teenager that I wanted to accept him. But it's like I didn't know how to embrace right, him right. fully and stand up for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, um, I admire people who come out. I mean, I, I totally understand why some people don't because, uh, the people who do come out and the backlash, a lot of them receive, I, the amount of courage that takes is just amazing, amazing to me. Yes. And, um, I admire them very much. And I have a lot of friends who, you know, have come out as gay or transgender or whatever. And, uh, you know, they're, they're heroes to me. They really yeah, are. I agree. They're heroes to me, too. And I, the whole reason why I'm doing this podcast is to find people like you that have lived lived a life and have had experiences with the mm-hmm. young, old, black and blue, purple, orange people. I don't care what color you are, what you identify as, um, or what you've been through, because no matter where people are, they have value, and um, we all deserve to 
live a life we want when it doesn't affect other people. Right, right. Um, and you're right. The amount of courage, it takes a lot. So he moved to Colorado and became a hospice nurse. And he also was just starting out being a yoga teacher, did his internship at the hospice agency, and then was just starting this job as a yoga teacher. And believe it or not, out in Colorado, um, I think he underwent a lot of backlash for being gay. And honestly, David, I think he went there originally to um, be accepted by a larger community. You know, mm-hmm. somewhere like Denver, Colorado, you're going to meet a few people that are gay like yourself and hopefully be accepted. Long story short, uh, David, Adam contacted me uh, around Thanksgiving. It was November 2017. And he contacted me and said, Tess, you know, I'm out in Colorado. I'm feeling really lonely. Um, I'm mm-hmm. feeling I'm feeling like living day to day is just really tough. Like you're a person who's been through a lot. You know, you've gone through cancer, you're in a chair now, you're able to stay positive day to day. How do you do it? You know, mm-hmm. he said, I don't want to bother you today, but I'd love to talk to you in the next couple weeks about it. And that is a, that is a text message. I will forever wish that I called him that moment because I got a text message from his sister asking if I'd heard from Adam. And he was out in Colorado. We knew a couple of friends of his that were out there that were, you know, good people that we reached out to. And they said, no, we haven't heard from him either. We contacted different news stations to find Adam. We had no idea where he went. Um, he was found deceased, uh, like a mile from the last bar he was at. He was even featured on the podcast um, Vanished. He was one of the episodes, Adam Gilbertson. But yeah, we we had a search party and someone found his body. And um, I, you know, as much as I want to say it was a big mistake, I I think that a lot of his death had to do with not being accepted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was horrible. And, you know, David, I thank God that we know where, where Adam is and that we could lay him to rest. There are plenty of people out there, too, that go into the woods and kill themselves because they don't want to come out or they're Mm -hmm. struggling with something in their life where they feel like they can't be accepted. And it's like, gosh, if they could meet more people like you and I and hear our story and hear that we are allies, I think we could have a lot better world. Yeah. um, Someone, someone said to me the other day, the, the love that you were denied speaks a lot louder than the love that you received. So <clears throat> what, what, what that means is that when we're loved by people, that means a lot. But when we're re- rejected by people, that hurts even more. The, the pain is, is greater than the love we feel from other people. So, you know, um, it, I don't think a lot of people have any idea the the pain that um, say LGBTQ people feel uh, when they're rejected by say the church or a large segment of society or their town or a team or their friends um, classmates. It's it's overwhelming. I'm sure it must feel overwhelming. Yeah, I isolating mean, people that love them. The the fact that they're rejected by so many 
carries more weight for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense, too, because we are human. We like connection. I mean, mm-hmm. when you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like, do you have a place to sleep? Do you have something to eat? Are you being loved by someone? And it's like the very basis of who we are as humans and what we need. And like I said, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast because I want people to know that you're an ally and that they can follow you and that they can send you a message and you'll be someone who sticks up for them. Even though you're a pastor of 30 years, it's like you're the rarest (laughs) bird of them all, the rarest breed of them all, David. But I really appreciate you being on and um, gosh, I had all these questions in front of me and I think you and I just talked and I didn't have to worry about anything. (laughs) No, I'm yeah, it's. I'm pretty easy to talk to. <laughs> yeah, you are. Well, what things have you learned um, doing th- this, you know, as you've less left ministry or at least, you know, in a regular sense of being a pastor in a church now that you're not doing that, right? Because you're, mm-hmm. you're not doing that anymore. Um, how has your faith continued to change or deconstruct or reconstruct as you've become an older man and as you age more right um well i know i get that a lot from people like okay after deconstruction you have to reconstruct but i don't necessarily agree for me um the deconstruction is removing the eroding the crumbling of of all those ideas and behaviors and and habits and everything that I'd accumulated over the years and I'm very very much at peace uh my like my I have peace of mind theologically uh I I know we're all one and connected and that it's just words and ideas that seem to separate us and and you know I respect your ideas uh your thoughts your I respect your right to have them and own them but I'm not going to let that convince me that we aren't united on a deeper level. Um, my my deconstruction has been a long, arduous one, a lot of work, but I, I, it, it eventually brought me to a place where it's very peaceful and serene and I'm just happy, you know, the way I am. Uh, I, I'm not concerned about labels. I leave that up to other people. Like I'm, okay. I'm very you know, very fluid in, in what I think and believe. And, you know, some people say, are you a Christian? I say, well, partly. And are you atheist? Well, partly. Yeah, I've got all those things inside me and I'm, I'm totally at peace. The label isn't for the contents. Like, I don't need the label. Yeah. It's on the outside reading me that need the label. Yeah. Right? So, but I myself am very, very peaceful. And right. Uh, I love what I do because I'm encouraging people, like you said, I'm encouraging people to feel validated and loved and accepted and understood and that they have an ally and, um, you know, yeah, I, I want to keep working. Yeah, I want to keep working in that way. Well, David, I would say that you've lived a good life. Thank you. <laughs> um, so how has, one question I did have was, you know, as you've, reconstructed or rebuilt whatever those labels are that you put on yourself or but while you were seeking that fluidity and that oneness and that ability to accept Mm -hmm. yourself I guess 
-hmm. How has that been with your children and your wife over the Mm -hmm. years? How has that affected her? What would she say about, has it made your relationship stronger? Were there times where it was really hard because you just couldn't see eye to eye? Right. So I I write about that a lot because I see it a lot uh, in marriages or relationships when, um, like Lisa and I, we were pretty much joined at the hip. We were very much on the same page spiritually. But when I left the church and the ministry in 2010, that's when we really started to feel uh, like we were losing um, touch with each other because we were very much on the same team. She was my partner in ministry. Right. But your community changed. That's right. Our community changed. My my income changed. My job, my career, my vocation, my sense you guys of moved too, right? Changed. Yeah. yeah. Everything changed. But <clears throat> We, it took us a couple of years to get through that spell, but what ha- because we came to realize, you know what, it's not compatibility of beliefs that brought us together or held us together. It, it was love. Right. And if we just get in touch with that again. And now we've come to a place where her spirituality and my spirituality and our kids' spirituality, they're all very unique to each one of us. Right. And we respect that. And, and um, even though it might have a different flavor, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And we respect that about one another. And I, I, I entrust her to take care of her spirituality, and she entrusts me to take care of mine. And, you know, even though we might not be exactly on the same page uh, in terms of what our beliefs are, you respect are in it. terms of mutual respect and, and love. Right. And so, and that's, that's the important awesome. thing. So that's what I tell people out there who are struggling in their relationships because beliefs are changing and maybe one wants to stop going to church and the other wants to keep going and, you know, all this kind of thing. It get, can get very, very stressful, but I, we're proof that you can work through it and, yeah. and survive. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's, it's like, why do we expect anything else that we are so different? I mean, David, mm-hmm. you are a completely different being than me and... We've been raised two totally different ways, but people right. are compatible if they can be patient and loving. And, you know, the Bible verse, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It's like, that is such a beautiful definition of love to me, because like you're saying, it it allows people to accept one another without having to draw those boundaries or ideas that construct right. our ability to love. Right. Um, and I'm kind of in a whirlwind too with my fiance. We so I uprooted myself from Minnesota and moved to Michigan. Okay. So my family is in Minnesota. I went through my health journey in Minnesota. My doctors are in Minnesota. Everything that I know is in Minnesota. But I felt a stirring inside me to grow and move and uproot. And I know Tyler loves me a lot. He tells me. I love you more than anything else in the world. And I, and I think, you know what, that's good enough for me. You know, I, I know that he is a swirling entity outside of myself and I am a swirling entity of my own kind too, but yep. we love each other and we're working together and he's my teammate for life. And I don't want to feel like there are constructs being put on me right. for the way that I'm spending one-on-one time with God 
or with each other, or like you said, that deeper connection of <coughs> relating with people. Mm-hmm. But I, I like your verbiage, David. I like how you say it's okay if it's a different flavor, and we're all deeper, deeply connected. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Well, that that's what that's why I. Uh, in fact, I'm writing a book on marriage and deconstruction, and because. <clears throat> Like Lisa and I experienced for like 30 or 25 years, let's say, of completely being on the same page. Looking back now, we were probably kind of codependently enmeshed and tangled with one another. Oh, yeah. And then, but when deconstruction hit and we left the ministry and all that, it was like it forced us to um, individuate. Right. And, and respect one another in our differences and uniqueness. Yeah. And it, it was a mature, it was a maturation process. Yes. yes. That we needed and our relationship was ready for. But I want I want to encourage your listeners if you're in a relationship and you're experiencing that tension, communicate, 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 talk it through. Yes. Work it out. Get in touch with your love for each other. Yeah. The first thing I wasn't attracted to Lisa's belief system when we first met. You know. But you it, had the love. It, it was her beauty and her personality and all that, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you get back in touch with that, and then you you uh, rebuild, you know? Yep. Respecting each person as an individual. I think that's a great example. Um, David, what books have you written? I want to give you some oh. – sounds so corny, but I want to give you some airtime as far as, like, can you tell us how to find you on social media? Um, can you tell us about books you've written um, and how people can get connected with you? Yep. Well, nakedpastor.com um, is where I'm at. So I've got courses available. I've got books. I've got like eight books out. Probably um, like Questions Are the Answer is a good book if you want to understand my thinking the best. Uh, um, my my book called The Liberation of Sophia with all my Sophia drawings represents my soul's journey towards freedom after I left the ministry and the church. So it, there's uh, 59 drawings and 59 meditations of Sophia. And uh, the meditation, it's like a couple days ago, maybe yesterday even, I posted that. And um, then I've got, I've got other books on deconstruction and cartoon books and, and stuff. So Okay. And people can find that just on your website or like on Amazon well, or something? Yeah, nakedpastor.com. And my books are on Amazon. Naked cool. Pastor, I sell t-shirts and cartoon prints and mugs and stickers and hoodies, you name it, phone cases. <laughs> so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's so cool. It's got to be fun to have merchandise. I mean, it's just yeah. like I love these mugs that you have of some of your best cartoons right on a mug. I mean, what a cool gift. Yeah. That's so great. <laughs> or or here, I'll share one more since I'm looking at your page now. It says the Bible plus your interpretation. It looks like a math problem, like mm-hmm. an addition problem. The Bible is on top. It adds your interpretation, which equals your interpretation. I mean, that gives people the ability to draw their own conclusion about what the Bible really means. And I guess if if I was feeling unsure about how I was feeling about something or what maybe the Bible meant, I would pray about it or ask a spiritual mentor about it or someone I trust 
and admire. I would find that more um, of a way that I would solve uncertainty or unrest about something versus assuming what the conservative, closed-minded, traditional truth might be. I guess I've always enjoyed asking tougher questions and critically thinking, but certainly not everybody likes that. <laughs> well, yeah, that causes a lot of... I got a lot of hate over that because... Oh, I'm sure, because people... The Bible's the Bible. It says one Bible's thing. Bible's the Bible, yeah. I was at church one day, and the, the pastor was doing a sermon on how big God is, right? Like, mm-hmm. what we really know to be true about God. And he, he made a comment about how small the Bible is, how few the words truly are. I mean, there are encyclopedias longer than the Bible, yet yeah, we yeah. put so much emphasis and, you know, we make up facts yep, based yep. on a book that is, how many pages long is the Bible, David? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the God that I would worship or that I would want my neighbor to worship or that oneness that you're talking about, that fluidity, um, is so much bigger than something that could only be compromised into a tiny little book mm-hmm. or, or pushed into a tiny little book. It's like the pastor was talking about challenge yourself to think outside the box because our God is so much bigger. If you're thinking about the the Bible being a fraction of what we know, Mm -hmm. he's so much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. That really stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. I love your cartoons. So glad I stumbled on it. I already know that this podcast episode is going to be something that I'm really proud of. It's going to be one of my favorites. Cool, 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 so cool. thank you so much for being on. Maybe, David, as I continue to rebuild my beliefs, I'll talk to you again later. But right, Let's thanks. talk again. Yeah, totally let's. Good. And uh, let me know when you post this and I can share it too. Heck yeah. It'll be so cool to have you on. Have you been on any podcasts? I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did any of them go negatively? Just curious. Like, did you speak with anyone that... Couldn't break no, actually, down their walls? No, actually, uh, I have been spared that uh, challenge of talking to um, a host that has animosity towards me. Oh, that's nice. All been, been all positive, yeah. Good. I'm, yeah. So happy, I'm so happy to hear that. Well, David, thank you for being on today. I appreciate it. Okay. Visit his website at www.nakedpastorstore.com. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.